So we're doing a two-week mini message series called Rich Living. Clap if you would like to be rich. I do. That's nothing to be ashamed of. We want to be rich, right? So how do we define rich? And that's what we're going to look at this morning, and then we're going to end with the sacrament of, of Holy Communion, because I believe that the secret to being rich comes from something that we would not necessarily normally associate it with. Now, I am not going to ask you to clap out loud, because I don't want you to have to do like a true confession in worship. We're Methodist, not Catholic, so you do not have to come to me and confess. But I want you to do a little mental checklist as I say these things. And I want you to think, have I ever said that before? You don't have to clap, but I do want you to think, have I ever said that before? Here's the first statement. I am freezing. You're giggling, so that means you probably have. The second one, I am burning up. The third one, I have nothing to wear. The fourth one, that's not fair. I never get what I want. Think about if you were or when you were a child at Christmas or perhaps you have children or grandchildren and maybe we've heard that. That's not fair. I don't ever get what I want. Actually, All of those statements that I just said have something in common. They're complaints. We like to complain. Well, I'll tell you what, I won't say we. I like to complain. Do you remember when we had no rain forever? I mean, we were in a drought. I was driving down 77 on my way back to Mooresville from Charlotte one day and I looked off to the right and a boat, a boat had been submerged from the lake, probably from when Hugo hit, it had, it sunk. And because the lake was so very low, it was like washed up on the side. It was aged, it was, it was astonishing. The lake was so low, we couldn't get our boats out. All those things, we were hitting rocks in the lake. We were getting stuck. I complained because we had not had any rain. Maybe you did too, probably. Maybe I'm not the only one who complained that we didn't have any rain. And then guess what happened? It rained. Did any of us complain because it was raining? I did. Is it ever going to stop raining? Now, just a few days before, I was hopeful that we were gonna get some rain. Then we got rain, and then I complained because it rained too much. I needed, I needed to see the sun again. Sometimes in life, it's easy. It's just easy to complain. We're too hot, we're too cold. The music's too loud, the music's too soft. The house is not clean. All those things we find ourselves complaining about. This morning, the message is actually pretty short and it's very simple. If we want to live lives that are rich and lives that are full, if we will just check our complaining meter and and maybe stop 
and look at what we say and how we think and, and bring it back down a few notches, I promise, I promise we'll live lives that are full. I wanna read you a story from the book of Luke this morning. It's when Jesus was about doing his ministry and he was performing healings and miracles and people were starting to follow him. They had heard about him and the, the amazing things that he was doing and just this, this love that radiated around him. And so he was near the kingdom, uh, the temple, and all of a sudden, some men come up to him with leprosy. Now, leprosy back then was just a disease that carried the, the worst stigma and it was contagious. The people that had it were, were quarantined. They were lonely. They were the outcast. And so listen to what Jesus does. It's taken from the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. Now, on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance because remember they couldn't get close to people because the disease would spread. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed, meaning they were healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The secret the secret to gratitude and happiness and rich living is being grateful. Gratitude unlocks our potential for living richly. Let me say that one more time. Gratitude unlocks our potential for living richly and living wholly and completely and being happy. Jesus healed all 10 lepers. Now, I want you to think about a time in your life where people didn't like you. Maybe it was in high school and there was a group of mean guys that were bullies or mean girls that were bullies or for whatever reason, you just weren't fitting in and you weren't popular. And so you felt like an outcast. Or maybe it's a time when you went and you got a job at a new place and, and you're the new kid on the block and everybody else has been together and there's this new bond and excitement that exists within them and you're the new kid so you don't fit in. You're the outcast. So these 10 guys, these 10 men, they were lepers. They were lepers. No one would associate with them. They were the outcast. Now, something that's really interesting to note, you know, they use the word foreigner at the end of the passage. 
one gentleman was from Samaria. And those were like, uh, we would refer to them as those people. You know, and we would do it sort of like crinkling up our nose and, you know, sort of turning around like uh, we're better than they are. Samaritans were those people. There were 10 of them. They were the outcast. They were the victims of bullying. They were the unpopular people. And it's not just because they didn't fit in. They had a disease, a disease that brought them much pain, physical pain. So this is a big deal. It's not like they had a hangnail and, you know, Jesus said, oh, good, let me give you some Neosporin and now it is all better. These were the outcasts and they were in physical pain and torture and they come and they see Jesus and they call out to him, Jesus, master. So clearly, clearly they've heard something about him. They've heard that there's this, this potential for hope and potential for healing. And so they call out to him, Jesus, master, will you heal me? And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, clearly they do it. They get to the priest and they have been cleansed or made whole. Now we see in the story that the one guy that's you know even more of an outcast because he's from Samaria, those people, the one outcast, or you know what, we could actually call him like a refugee because he was not from the land where he was. He came back and he came to Jesus and he said, thank you. Now, we could talk about the healing and the physical healing and Jesus made them whole, but did you notice in the story that it talks about being made whole at two different places? The first place is when it says that they went to the temple and they were cleansed, but then the second time is when the one gentleman comes back to Jesus and Jesus says this, your faith, your faith has made you whole. How is that? Was he not already healed with the other nine? Did he not get the same physical healing that the other nine did? And so now, because he came back, he's been made whole? No, that's, that's not what the passage means or my interpretation after studying it means. You see, he got the physical healing. He got the physical miracle. There's more. There's more to living richly. And it isn't money, it isn't physical healing, it isn't stuff, it's inward. It's an attitude of thanksgiving. It's about being grateful. I wanna show you this quote by Craig Groeschel. He's a pastor at one of the largest churches in America. It isn't happy people that are grateful. It is grateful people that are happy. It isn't happy people that are grateful. It is grateful people that are happy. In order to be happy, 
I think we have to be grateful for who we are and where we are and what we have. All those things come together. And see, if we can find a way to tap into that gratitude, then our lives are whole. Our faith, our faith knowing that it isn't about stuff or things or places or people. It's about us being at one with that connection with God. That's what Jesus meant. Your faith has made you whole. You came back. You came back with a heart that was full because you knew that it's not about you. You knew that it was about something bigger than you. And you're grateful. Your faith has made you whole. Sometimes I think in life, when we struggle or we are the outcast or we see things that we need and there's new places we need to be and we work to achieve that goal in our life and when we finally get there, we forget to come back. I think sometimes we're the nine. I am. Sometimes we're the nine. I don't normally talk about money. You know, it makes us uncomfortable and that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you a story, a personal story, because I don't like to cast out, you know, blame on you. So I'll tell you a story about when I forgot to be grateful. You know, I do believe in tithing. That's 10%. It's scriptural. It's in the Old Testament. And Jesus talks about money more than anything else. I believe in tithing. My parents taught me to tithe. That means 10%. That's a lot of money. A few years ago, Scott and I were looking at our bills and uh, we were getting ready to put a son into college. And whereas there were some scholarships, I would not say that we had been the most, wait a minute, stop. I would not say that I had been the most prudent of saving money because Scott has been after me for 23 years of marriage to have a budget, stick to it, blah, blah, blah. I didn't necessarily listen. So here we are, right before Andrew goes off to school with a realization that, you know, $15,000 plus some needs to come out. Now, that's a hunk of change, or it was for us. We looked at our budget, we spent a lot of time actually pouring over our expenses. What can we cut back on? Could I not go to Massage Envy, you know, once a month? I'm serious. How much do we really need to spend on groceries and clothes? And so we made a new amended budget. And sadly, we cut our tithe. Because, you know, it was actually more at that point than a couple of car payments. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just telling you that that could have paid for our college. I talked to a couple of mentors of mine and they said, well, I'm not really happy about that decision, but you do what you need to do. I rationalized it with everything that I had. Well, I work hard. I work more than 40 hours a week, you know, so it's time investment. Time passes, things fall into place with our 
financing of college. We can pay our bills. We're not going hungry. And I forgot to cancel massage envy. And then my father went absolutely bonkers. You've heard me share about that probably. Uh, He decided that these people that call him on the phone daily telling him he's won the Las Vegas Allure sweepstakes and if he would just give them a little more money, he would come into his own. And so he gave them over $120,000. I didn't really know what to do with all that. He still wrote his tithe check, but he gave over $120,000 to criminals. Now, in all this, we spent a lot of time, he and I, talking about money. And I had to look at things in my own life differently. It caused me to think differently. And you know, that little guilt that had been gnawing in my soul about the whole reduction of my tithe, it kept, it kept going. And then the strategic team this summer were very gracious and gave me a raise. And the first thing that I did was not remember to increase my giving. It took me two months to figure that out and I was embarrassed and ashamed and so then Scott and I talked about it and we readjusted what we gave things had mellowed out with my dad he promised he'd never do that again and all that kind of stuff and then about four to five weeks ago we're back in the same place that we were except this time it's only about 40,000. And there's nothing, there's nothing I can do. Now, I want you to understand that I'm not telling you this story to feel sorry for me. I'm not telling you this story to brag on me. I'm telling you this story because there's a story in scripture about a man who was scorned and who was without everything and who was an outsider. And for heaven's sake, he was a refugee, a Samaritan, and everyone hated him. And Jesus healed him. But he wasn't whole until he came back. Over the last four to five weeks, my father, he has pretty much disowned me. I will go into the season of Thanksgiving this week with only Scott's side of the family and my stepsister and her family who have raised me like their own and my aunt. I will not have my dad because he won't speak to me. And you know what? I can tell you this story because it's real, but I actually am okay. On Thursday, I will have peace. And I have done hours and hours of soul searching. How can I not just be devastated? Now, please don't get me wrong. I am sad and my heart hurts because my dad is just at a different place 
And it is not dementia. I've gone down that road. I've gone down the Alzheimer's road. I've gone down all those roads. He is just making poor decisions. I've talked with his pastor, all those things. I'm telling you that story to tell you that my life, my personal life, it really bites sort of on that angle because my dad, my daddy, my only living parent won't have a dadgum thing to do with me. There are places that each of you have in your lives that you're unhappy. There are situations that each of us face that are bigger than we are. We all have our own version of leprosy. If we want to be healed, and if we want to have peace, we have to let our faith make us whole. I want to show you a video as we prepare for communion this morning, and it just gives us something to think about. Take a look at this clip. Oh, I couldn't. Well, maybe just a bite. Oh, yeah! Oh, right! Don't forget the interest. Brought the pie. A friend of mine told me that he realized his 
resources were not allocated appropriately when he was giving Verizon more than he was giving God. Not necessarily with money, but with his time and his talents and his voice and sharing what a difference God has made in his life. As followers of Christ, we believe that all good things come from God. We have been given so much. It's up to us to figure out how to connect to what we've been given to then use it for the betterment of the world. That changes the way we look at things. So no, really, we're not freezing. We're not. We might be cold, oftentimes in here. But we're not freezing. Nor are we burning up. Or as my daughter Lane taught me after she went to Africa for the first time, we're not starving either. And if I ever say that, she'll call me on it quicker than I can blink. And then uh, the last one, it's not fair. I didn't get what I want. I want to show you a picture of a toy. It is a water bottle. And the wheels are bottle cap lids, like the top of a 20-ounce bottle cap. That's the probably most prominent toy in Africa. And you know what? They're happy. They're dying, and they are starving to death. But their faith has made them whole. Let us prepare to come to the table. On the night before Jesus showed them truly what it meant to allow our faith to make us whole when we give completely of ourselves, he taught them such a pivotal lesson. He said, take and eat of this bread. Give thanks to God for it. Take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you. And every time you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. And then he said, thank you, God, for the gift of life. And this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for forgiveness of your sins. Every time you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Almighty God, will you pour out your spirit on this bread and this cup for us here at the high school and also those of us worshiping online, make this be for us the body and the blood of Christ so that we may truly experience what it means to be made whole. The things that we let get in the way, God, we confess to you and we offer to you now. We ask for forgiveness of those things and now use this to be for us the body and the blood of Christ. It is in his name that we pray, amen.